just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Saturday. We're into the weekend. Hopefully that means we can all relax a little bit, maybe have some fun, spend some time with family. I know I'm going to do that. Later this morning, I'm going to uh, my grandson's soccer game. He's 10 years old. It's always fun to watch kids play sports. But uh, in addition, my granddaughter will be there. She's two and a half years old. And let's just say she's a runner. She doesn't watch much of the game, but she just takes off. She'll run in the middle of the game if she's allowed to. So my job is to keep her off the pitch, as it were, and try to keep her um, keep her pointed away from any place that might not be good or safe for her to go. And that's a little tough. I'm an old man and she's, you know, she's young and she's small and she's got about 11 inch inseam, but that girl can move certainly faster than I can. So I got to play the angles. I got to cut her off like a cornerback in football. I can't just chase her down. I got to take the, take the edges and, and, and catch her at the pass as it were. You know, it's funny, when I'm sitting around during the day, I'm pretty non-mobile. I always make the joke that uh, on my phone, you know, that one part that tells you how many steps you've taken? My wife will always say, well, I took 10,000 steps. (laughs) And I said, so did I. (laughs) That's the best week I've ever had. (laughs) But anyway, when I'm sitting around doing what I'm doing with the podcast and the TikToks, I jokingly say my phone will give me an alert and it'll say, oh, Jesus, come on, get up and move a little bit. But then when I'm with my granddaughter and trying to keep up with her, it sends an alert that says, hey, somebody stole your phone because this definitely isn't you. But it's true. You know, I do get some cardio in with my granddaughter and it's, you know, you don't think about it at the time. I actually got to the point where I run sometimes and it's. I've never made a conscious effort to run in the last 15 years, probably. And it's probably wise because I'm probably not a good runner at this point. But when a little two and a half year old girl's going for a parking lot or going for a soccer field, God damn it, it's my job to stop her. (laughs) And I have so much fun doing it. So I will have some fun uh, today with family. And as you know, my wife and I are flying out uh, tomorrow to go to Savannah, and we're going to come back on the Thursday, maybe the Sunday. I don't know which. But we'll continue doing the podcast. I'll be able to stay up to date with all that's going on in the news, and I'll be able to get it to you right here on the Rational Boomer podcast. Got it all set up, got the equipment, won't be a problem. So So anyway, let's talk about what's going on, and there is a lot of stuff going on, to be perfectly honest with you. You know, we've been dealing with this judge this Donald Trump sycophant, this poor excuse for a uh, judge, Aileen Cannon. Now, this woman is probably the worst judge in the history of America. I mean, she's made some of the worst decisions probably in judiciary history. At first, she told the DOJ that they needed a special master to go through all the documents that Donald Trump stole, the top secret documents that Donald Trump stole. And that doesn't really make much sense. He's claiming executive privilege was isn't a thing. He's no longer president, so he doesn't he's not able to assert executive privilege. And then there is the client attorney privilege stuff. Okay? And that's fine. If there's some of that in there, he should have that. But when Merrick Garland heard this, that they needed a special master, uh, he was a little upset. And the fact of the matter is that uh, this judge, Aileen Cannon, basically shut everything down. They said, you can't continue to investigate the documents till the special master has gone through it. 
but you can still look for or investigate what potential damage may have happened to the country by the exposure of these top secret documents. And then as, as, as Merrick Garland pointed out, well, we can't stop one and continue with another. They kind of work in tandem. So he was trying to give this woman a way out. She was getting a big backlash. People were noticing that she's making stupid comments and made a stupid decision. And he thought he'd be a nice guy and let her back out of it and be able to save some face. So what he said was, is, look, there's a hundred classified documents in there. Because they are classified, there is no way Donald Trump can say that he owns them. That's just not possible. So how about if we do this? We'll cut out those hundred documents and we'll continue doing what we're doing and try to try to assess what happened with these documents and how it might have damaged the national security of the United States of America. Sounds like a decent idea. You can take the rest of them, go through it and look for your uh, client attorney privilege papers. Now, it seemed like an interesting compromise, and Merrick Garland was giving her an out. She was looking stupid, and this way she could have backed out and just said, all right, yeah, yeah, I get it. So anyway, she takes that under advisement and thinks about it for a while, and she comes back and says, yeah, you know what? I don't think we're going to do that. You just put a hold on everything. I don't see any urgency here. I don't see like it's any problem. Let's get that special master and let him look through it, and then you can do what you want. In fact, we'll give the special master until November 30th, interestingly enough, well after the midterms. So she thinks she's doing something here. Now, they did agree on a, um, on a special master which is surprising. I didn't think they'd agree. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Judge Deary. Now, Judge Deary was appointed by Ronald Reagan. So you can imagine this guy is about 350 years old, but he's supposed to be a legitimate judge. And he uh, also has some experience with national security. So uh, Merrick Garland said, if we're going to have a special master, let's have this one. The problem with it is, is if it's going to take till after November 30th, all that time, the potential danger that this country is under can keep going. And this is rather an urgent situation. We want to put a stop to this as quickly as possible. And this judge apparently doesn't care about national security. So now Merrick Garland has to make a choice. Do we say, okay, let's go ahead with a special master. Hopefully he gets done quick so we can get on top of this and get it moving. Now, the only problem with that is if they use the special master, even though Donald Trump's lawyers recommended him, recommended having a special master and this particular judge. Now, if this judge finds against Donald Trump, which he most certainly will because what she's done, Aileen Cannon, is absolutely ridiculous. It's one of the most horrific decisions you'll ever find in judicial history. But if his own special master finds against Donald Trump, you can bet he will appeal it. He'll appeal it to the 11th Circuit and keep appealing it until such time that it gets to the Supreme Court. So Merrick Garland has to make a choice. All of this is taking time. All of this is a problem. And Merrick Garland is making some interesting points. He's saying that what this judge is doing while sitting on the bench is uh, amounts to basically obstruction of justice. So you'll have to wonder at some point down the road when this is all done, will she pay a price for it? I think the only thing that can happen is she would be impeached. And I don't know how realistic that is. But the sad thing is, is this woman is some make, making some horrible decisions here. But when it's all said and done, she's going to continue to make horrible decisions because she has no fucking clue as to what she's doing. We'll have to worry about that later. So what does Merrick Garland do? Is he going to go with the special master or he could appeal it to the 11th Circuit? Well, yesterday it was announced, and not surprisingly so, that he will appeal it to the 11th Circuit. Now, keep in mind, the 11th Circuit is a 
uh, a very conservative court. I think of like 13 judges, six of them are Trump humpers. So there's a good chance you could get another Trump humper. Now, the thing about it is, though, is this decision is so horrific, even if somebody is a Trump humper, a legitimate judge, whether they be Republican or Democrat, couldn't possibly agree with this woman, couldn't possibly agree with this woman. So they'll probably overturn it. But then again, Donald Trump will, of course, appeal it to the next level, to the next level up to the Supreme Court. Then, of course, people are worrying that because the Supreme Court is is so broken that maybe one of the conservative Supreme Court judges will get their team of six together and vote in favor of Donald Trump. I don't see that happening. This is too stupid, too egregious. The Supreme Court does something like this, especially now when they're particularly concerned about people's perception of them. I find it hard to imagine that they would do that. But that is, that's not even really the biggest problem. The problem is this could take months and months and months. And whether Donald Trump is indicted for this, he'll probably be indicted for something else. But this delay in time isn't so much about when they're going to get Donald Trump. But all this time, there's potentially more damage to the national security of this country because of what's out there. There's been no way to shut this down. If there have been assets, foreign assets exposed, we need to be able to get them all out of the uh, field and get them safe. Because if the wrong people find out that these folks are American assets, they're just going to fucking kill them. And we already know the uh, CIA has suggested that an inordinate amount of CIA agents have turned up dead. And that can probably be linked straight back to Donald Trump because he's had access to all these names. He's had secret meetings with Vladimir Putin, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. And we know he kills motherfuckers because he did it to an American journalist. And Donald Trump said, yeah, he said he didn't do it. That's good enough for me. He also spent time talking to Kim Jong-un. The amount of damage that Donald Trump could do is immense. And this is what we have to worry about. So the Justice Department asked a federal appeals court Friday to lift a judge's order that temporarily barred it from reviewing a batch of classified documents seized during an FBI search of former President Donald Trump's home. You know that. The department told the 11th Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals in Atlanta that the judge's hold was impeding the government's efforts to protect the nation's security and interfering with the investigation into the presence of a top-secret information at Mar-a-Lago. It said the hold needed to be lifted immediately so work could resume. The government and the public would suffer irreparable harm absent a stay, department lawyers wrote in their brief to the appeals court. The judge's appointment of a special master to review the documents and the resulting legal tussle appears certain to further slow the department's criminal investigation. It remains unclear whether Trump, who has been laying the groundwork for another potential presidential run or anyone else, might be charged. Well, I think you can, uh, I think you can count on somebody, as in Donald Trump, ultimately being charged. U.S. District Judge uh, Aileen Cannon earlier this month directed the department to halt its use of records until further court order or until completion of a report of an independent arbiter who is to do his own inspection of the documents and weed out any uncovered by or any covered by claims of legal privilege. Now, on Thursday night, she assigned Raymond Deary, the former chief chief judge of the federal court based in Brooklyn, to serve as the arbiter, also known as a special master. She also declined to lift an order that prevented the department from using its investigation about 100 seized documents marked as classified, citing ongoing disputes about the nature of the documents that she said merited a neutral review. This woman's going all in for treason. She's going all in for obstruction. And she's a judge sitting in the district court. 
The court does not find it appropriate to accept the government's conclusion on these important and disputed issues without further review by a neutral third party in an expedited and orderly fashion, she wrote. Basically what she's saying, we don't trust the FBI to want to protect national security. So we've got to have this third party, this impartial party. But we know what's going to happen if this impartial party sides with the FBI. Donald Trump will still appeal it. Now, the Justice Department last week asked Cannon to put her, uh, her, own, put her own order on hold by Thursday and said that if she did not, it would ask the appeals court to step in. And she did not, and they did. The FBI says it took about 11,000 documents, including roughly 100 with classification markings, found in a storage room and an office while serving a court-authorized search warrant at the home. Now, weeks after the search, Trump lawyers asked to appoint a special master to do an independent review, which is weird because we're, we're, we're talking about weeks after getting this stuff. And you don't think the uh, FBI has already gone through this stuff? You don't think they've cataloged it and know exactly what's in it? I would find that hard to believe. Now, in her September 5th order, Cannon agreed to name a special master to sift through the records and filter out any that may be potentially covered by claims of executive privilege or attorney-client privilege. In appointing Deary on Thursday, she granted him access to the entire tranche of documents, including classified records. She directed him to complete his review by November 30th and to prioritize the review of classified documents. Well, is this guy cleared for this kind, these kind of documents? Who knows? Apparently, this judge doesn't, com- doesn't care. The Justice Department disagreed with the judge that the special master should be empowered to inspect the classified records. It said the classified records that were seized do not contain communication between Trump and his lawyers that could be covered by attorney-client privilege and said that former presidents could not credibly invoke executive privilege to shield government documents that do not belong to him for the investigation. That's pretty clear. We've known that all along. Now, though the department had argued that its work was being unduly impeded by the judge's order, Cannon disagreed, noting in her order Thursday that officials could proceed with other aspects of the investigation, such as interviewing witnesses. And as Merrick Garland has pointed out, you can't do one and not do the other. It's just not possible. So we'll see what this appeal does. If they can get a stay and they can start working on it again, that's good. But don't be surprised if Donald Trump and his trump fuck lawyers go try to appeal that to even a higher court. This might very well end up in the Supreme Court. And how it will come out, we're not exactly sure. We know how it should come out, what is right. But uh, we know with our current Supreme Court, They aren't necessarily that trustworthy about rule of law, which is ironic that they would be called the Supreme Court, and they're a little iffy on on rule of law. Now, here's a sign that Donald Trump is getting desperate. For, what, the last four years or so, we keep hearing about this QAnon bullshit, And then it goes away for a while, but now it's starting to heat up again. Donald Trump always had a winking relationship with QAnon for years. Donald Trump is overtly embracing this baseless conspiracy theory group right now. He'd always kind of nodded to them, winked to them, never said he was part of Q or believed in Q. But now he's just throwing it out there. Even as the number of frightening real-world events linked to it grows, on Tuesday, using the True Social platform, the Republican former president reposted an image of himself wearing a Q lapel pin overlaid with the words, The Storm is Coming. In QAnon lore, the storm refers to Trump's final victory when he supposedly will regain a power and his opponents will be tried and potentially executed on live television. 
We've been hearing this for years. You know, it's funny. The first time I ever heard about Q was probably three years ago. Got to be at least three years ago. And it was on my regular Facebook page, my personal Facebook page. And I was going after Donald Trump and the Republicans, as I do. And uh, this couple, this man and this woman, start making these cryptic comments on my post and uh, making reference to Q and kind of acting like, I know something you don't know and you're just dumb, so just wait and see. And at first, it was just annoying. And I got tired of these cryptic messages. They didn't mean anything. They didn't say anything. And I just became annoyed with them. And ultimately, I blocked them. And then I never really thought about it again. But then this whole Q thing really heated up. And I'm going, oh, that's what those fuckers were talking about. Let's be perfectly honest about Q. Q has been uh, uh, making predictions since the beginning when we first started hearing about them. And uh, none of them have come true. Not one thing that they've said has come true. Yet these dumb trump still follow them. Donald Trump acted like he didn't know who they were or he wasn't with them. But now he's throwing caution to the wind and actually embracing Q. That's what tells me this fucker's desperate. He'll grab onto anything that supports him. Now, as Trump contemplates another run for the presidency and has become increasingly assertive in the Republican primary process during the midterm elections, his actions show that far from distancing himself from the political fringe, he is now welcoming it. He's published dozens of recent Q-related posts in contrast to 2020 when he claimed that while he didn't know much about QAnon, he couldn't disapprove or disprove its conspiracy theory. Pressed on QAnon theories that Trump allegedly is saving the nation from a satanic cult of child sex traffickers, he claimed ignorance, but asked, is that supposed to be a bad thing? Of course I'm doing that. Well, Donald Trump isn't doing jack shit. He says, if I can help save the world from problems, I'm willing to do it. Yeah, I'll bet you are, Donnie. You only cause problems. You don't fix fucking problems. Trump's recent postings have included images referring to himself as a martyr fighting criminals, psychopaths, and the so-called deep state. In one now-deleted post from late August, he reposted a Q-drop, one of the cryptic message board postings that QAnon supporters claim come from an anonymous government worker with a top-secret clearance. A Trump spokesman did not respond to a request for a comment. Now, they think it's some secret guy at a high level, but the fact of the matter is we pretty much know who Q is. It's two guys, a father and a son. The son even ran for office and got his ass kicked. The father has had some problems of his own with uh, being a child predator. It's ironic now that they're claiming all these Democrats are pedophiles when the guy who's probably drafting these Q-drops is, in fact, a pedophile. Now, even when his posts haven't referred to the conspiracy theory directly, Trump has amplified users who do. He's promoted them. An Associated Press analysis found that of nearly 75 accounts Trump has reposted on his Truth social profile in the past month, more than a third of them have promoted QAnon by sharing uh, the movement, slogans, videos, or imagery. About 1 in 10 include QAnon language or links in their profile bios. Now, earlier this month, Trump chose a QAnon song to close out a rally in Pennsylvania. The same song appears in one of his recent campaign videos and is titled WWG1WGA, an acronym used as a rallying cry for Q adherence that stands for where we go one, we go all. And and actually that couple three or four years ago that were posting on my page would put that acronym on there. And I didn't know what it was at all at first. And they would always say, don't worry about it. We'll take you with us when we go. So fucking stupid.
online Q adherents basked in Trump's attention. Yup, haters, wrote one commenter on an anonymous QAnon message board. Trump retruth Q memes, and he'll do it again, more and more of them, over and over until everyone finally gets it. Make fun of us all you want, whatever. Soon Q will be everywhere. Now, this is the epitome of a cult. And while Donald Trump kind of stayed clear of Q in the beginning, he's all in now. Trump's sending a clear message, Patriots. A QAnon-linked account on True Social wrote, He retruthed this for a reason. The former president may be seeking solidarity with his most loyal supporters at a time when he faces escalating investigations and potential challengers within his own party. According to Mia Bloom, a professor at Georgia State University who has studied QAnon and recently wrote a book about the group. These are people who have elevated Trump to Messiah-like status, where only he can stop this alleged cabal. Bloom told the AP on Thursday, that's why you see so many images in online QAnon spaces of Trump as Jesus. You know, we joke about um, we joke about him being their Lord and Savior, but some of them, some of the worst of his followers, really see him as such. I mean, that's how fucking sick they are. On True Social, QAnon-affiliated accounts hail Trump as a hero and savior and vilify President Joe Biden by comparing him to Adolf Hitler or the devil. When Trump shares the content, they congratulate each other. Some accounts proudly display how many times Trump has retruthed them in their bios. By using their own language to directly address QAnon supporters, Trump is basically telling them that they've been all been right all along, and that he shares their secret mission, according to Janet McIntosh, an anthropologist at Brandeis University who has studied QAnon's use of language and symbols. It also allows Trump to endorse their beliefs and their hope for a violent uprising without expressly saying so, she said, citing his recent post about the storm as a particular frightening example. Well, you know that Q was prominent in the insurrection. All these people talked about a storm and they talked about Q. And this whole thing is absolutely ridiculous. They believe that this is somebody high up in politics or in government who is leading them. He knows the secrets and Donald Trump is going to save the world from this democratic cabal, which is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, most of what they talk about is projection. All the things they claim, like Joe Biden's like Hitler. Well, let's be honest, Donald Trump is more like Hitler because he's a fucking racist. He's an anti-Semite. He's a misogynist. But they want to project it on Joe Biden, who has given us no indication that he's like that at all. The storm is coming is shorthand for something really dark that's He's not saying out loud, McIntosh said. This is a way for him to point to violence without explicitly calling for it. He is the prince of plausible deniability. Bloom predicted that Trump may later attempt to market Q-related merchandise or perhaps ask QAnon followers to donate to his legal defense. And, of course, they fucking will. Now, of course, the people that are alleged to be Q, are probably making a shitload of money off of this as well. Regardless of motive, Bloom said it is a reckless move that feeds a dangerous movement. A growing list of criminal episodes has been linked to people who had expressed support for the conspiracy theory, which U.S. intelligence officials have warned could trigger more violence. QAnon supporters were among those who violently stormed the Capitol during the failed January 6th 2021 insurrection. Now, in in November of 2020, two men drove to a vote counting site in Philadelphia in a Hummer adorned with QAnon stickers and loaded with a rifle, 100 rounds of ammunition and other weapons. Prosecutors alleged they were trying to interfere with the election, and we're likely to see more of that. But they're not going to be as tough as they think they are. 
Now, last year, a California man who told authorities he had been enlightened by QAnon was accused of killing his two children because he believed they had serpent <laughs> DNA. I, I can't help but laugh. It's sad that his two children had to die because her father was a fucking idiot. But Jesus Christ. Last month, a Colorado woman was found guilty of attempting to kidnap her son from foster care after her daughter said she began associating with QAnon supporters. Other adherents have been accused of environmental vandalism, firing paintballs at military reservists, abducting a child in France, and even killing a New York City mob boss. Now, on Sunday, police fatally shot a Michigan man who they say had killed his wife and severely injured his daughter. A surviving daughter told the Detroit News that she believes her father was motivated by QAnon. I think that he is always prone to mental issues, but it really brought him down when he was reading all those weird things on the Internet, she told the newspaper. The same weekend, a Pennsylvania man who had reposted QAnon content on Facebook was arrested after he allegedly charged into a Dairy Queen with a gun saying he wanted to kill all Democrats and restore Trump to power. Major social media platforms, including YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, have banned content associated with QAnon and have suspended or blocked accounts that seek to spread it. That's forced much of the group's activities onto platforms that have less moderation, including Telegram, Gab, and Trump's struggling platform, Truth Social. You know, for a while there, I thought that we might be uh, on the other end of QAnon, that people got tired of it and that they just let it go. I mean, they still were part of the Trump cult, but at least QAnon was out of the way. But not so fast. Not so fast. They are still in the middle of it. They still love this shit. And uh, it's pretty frustrating. It's pretty dangerous, too. This is why we've got to put an end to this. And as I've said all along, the first step, the most important step to stopping all this and trying to get back to normal is taking Donald Trump out of the narrative, out of the equation, shutting him up. He does nothing but stir shit up. He does nothing but cause problems, incite violence. I mean, this is what he's doing. We talked about him being on the uh, Hugh Hewitt show, a radio show. And he just flat out said that uh, uh, should there be a time when he's indicted, this country would have problems like they've never seen before. He's very cautious about what he says and how he says it. But we know what he means. These are the same kind of comments he made going into January 6th, leading up to the insurrection. You have to understand that Donald Trump is desperate right now. He can't win a fucking election. He's not going to make it through these indictments that are ultimately coming. He is absolutely guilty. So what can he do? The only thing he can hope to do is stir up enough excitement or rage in the space to get them to do something so that he can be put back in power, at least in his mind, by force. That's the only way he can possibly do it. Well, as I've told you before, the idea that a large group of anybody, whether they be QAnon or Trumplifux or whatever, to go after the Capitol, the FBI building, or politicians, that's not going to happen. These folks aren't in a position to do it, and they know it. They're doing what bullies do. They flap their lips and try to intimidate and wait for people to fold and die. Not literally, but curl up in a corner and let them walk all over you. Well, those days have ended because Donald Trump's not in office. William Barr's not in office. And they they protected these people. January 6th, a good example. They throttled the National Guard and didn't send them out. They limited the police department. The president sat in the fucking dining room and didn't do a goddamn thing. The man, Michael Flynn's brother in the Pentagon, is the one that should have released the National Guard and didn't. For three hours, they let these fucking clowns run roughshod. 
They had little or no resistance. There were cops, but there wasn't enough of them to do anything. And they did whatever they want to do. Well, these days, it's a much different situation. They try that shit again, it's going to get very ugly. They whine and cry about Ashley Babbitt. Well, there's going to be a lot of Ashley Babbitts if they try to pull that shit again. I guarantee you, they try to go against the Capitol or some other building, there's going to be a phalanx of National Guard. And if they come with weapons and they don't stop when they're supposed to be stopping, these people are going to be taken down. And I think once that happens, should it happen, that's going to throw the fear of God in the rest of them, and that will quiet things down. I'm not suggesting that that the police or the National Guard should go out there and shoot a bunch of Trumplifucks. Let's hope that won't happen. What I'm saying is that these people know this. They are loud-talking bullies, but they aren't stupid. They aren't going to walk into a massacre, and that's exactly what they would be doing if they made an attempt on the Capitol or any other building or politician. It's not going to be the same way. Donald Trump can try to incite them, but they know it's suicide to do that, so it's not going to fucking happen. So that's where Donald Trump is. He's in his desperate moments, and his only hope is to is to uh, whip these people up. And he'll whip them up, but nothing will come of it. All right, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. You know what truly amazes me about the Republicans? They keep pulling stunts. They keep doing things, and it always blows up in their face. All of it is going to hurt them come the midterms. And I don't understand, are they purposely trying to tank the midterms for some reason? Or are they just that stupid? For as much as they want power and money, I can't believe they're purposely tanking. I just don't get that as a possibility. So it's got to be stupidity. They're so arrogant that they think they can do certain things and the world will love them for it. But they mistake the world for a little 30% group of base that will love it, but certainly not enough to win a fucking election. Of course, what I'm talking about, the latest event, the latest stunt by Republicans, involves Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, Greg Abbott, governor of Texas. Now, this is a weird one. You know, Ron DeSantis is probably as bad as Donald Trump in many ways, maybe more so because he's a slight bit smarter than Donald Trump. But he is evil incarnate. There is no fucking question about it. And somehow, Ron DeSantis and Governor Greg Abbott came up with this idea. And how they did it is kind of weird. So there were 50 undocumented immigrants, maybe more than that. I'm not exactly sure. But they were in Texas. And for some reason, Ron DeSantis put together a charter plane, went to pick up those immigrants in Texas, put them on a plane, and took them to Martha's Vineyard in the Northeast. See, what he wanted to do was take these immigrants and plop them down in the middle of wealthy liberals and say, see, see, how do you like it now? What do you think about that? And he was so excited about this, and he was so sure that this would go in his favor that he made sure that he had cameras and reporters on the scene in Martha's Vineyard when they showed up. Well, it didn't go so well. Now, here's the thing. They might have gotten themselves in trouble, too, because, you see, he put these people on the planes, told them that they were going to take them to a place where they would have food and clothing and shelter and jobs, and they'd get a big surprise when they got there. But then they bring them to Martha's Vineyard, plop them on the sidewalk, and then take off, leaving them twisting in the wind. 
They didn't even have the decency to call Martha's Vineyard and say, hey, we got these people coming. They didn't even do that. So these people show up bewildered, not knowing what's going on, at a disadvantage because they aren't citizens. They don't have jobs. They don't have money. These two cruel motherfuckers put them on a plane and just shipped them off, made all kinds of promises. And, of course, they believe them. I mean, fuck, it's the governor of a state. Why would they lie to you? Well, because it was a cruel joke. And that's exactly what it was. It was cruel. Well, unfortunately, it didn't pan out real well for the trump for Abbott and DeSantis, because what the folks at Martha's Vineyard did is they embraced them. They got them food and clothing, some medical care, and some shelter. They did exactly the opposite of what these trump thought they would do. And see, this is their mistake. They think everybody thinks like them. They think everybody is a cruel, evil piece of shit. But that's not the case. The vast majority of people in this country are decent people. And to take care of these people when they dropped in their lap is what normal, decent people do. Now, when they got there and they were disappointed that it didn't go the way they thought, they had to move the goalposts back a little bit. And what the folks in in Martha's Vineyard did is they put these undocumented migrants on a on a bus and sent them to a military base. Now, see, a lot of these, a lot of these Trump folks are saying, see, they didn't like it either. They got them rid of them. They kicked them out of town and they sent them to a military base. Yes, they did. But they don't think like you, motherfucker. They're not evil motherfuckers like the Republicans. The reason they sent them to a military base is because they had the space, the people, and the resources to deal with these people. The people of uh, Martha's Vineyard weren't going to let them starve and freeze on the street in Martha's Vineyard, even though that's exactly what the Republicans did. And guess what? When they're sent to this military base, they're not going to be put in cages, just like the Republicans do. We're talking about vastly different people here. We've got the ignorant, evil fucks that are Republicans, and we've got liberal Democrats who actually care about other people. We see it in the politicians. We see it in the people on the streets. They're vastly different folks. And the people that are Republicans are the worst of us. There is no question about it. So they're at this military base. They're being taken care of. I had one guy say, well, they sent them to a red state. They sent them to Maryland. No, they didn't, motherfucker. They sent them to Massachusetts. Shut the fuck up. I'm always amazed of people that come to my posts that don't have a clue what they're talking about. They have no clue what they're talking about. They just spew it as if it's real and it's true, even though it couldn't be the furthest thing from true. Then, of course, you get these trumplefucks that will come in and they'll say, well, how about if we just drop them off at your door and then you have to feed them? Well, that's an interesting comment. Because to be perfectly honest, if we had some undocumented uh, uh, immigrants coming to my door, assuming it's something I could handle because I'm one person, I would be happy to help them, especially when they've been treated so badly by the Republicans, so cruelly by the Republicans. I would be happy to help them. But it's interesting they should suggest that, what, are you going to feed them? Well, let me explain something to you, trump If you take a look at the welfare state in this country, you know who gets the most welfare? Red states. That means we taxpayers, we good people, are feeding you dumb trump Why don't you get a job? Why don't you get off welfare? Just because you were born here doesn't mean you don't have to work. You worried about everybody else getting free money, but you fuckers are living on free money. Did you know that the red states that get the most welfare take more money from the federal government than give the federal government? And they're the only ones that do that. 
these people are bloodsuckers. They are they 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 suck the life out of our government, out of our tax dollars, and then they have the audacity to bitch about brown people who come across the border who are just trying to find a better life. And I tell you what, these people that come across the border, they're more than likely willing to work. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. I mentioned this in a uh, podcast I did with Ed, and that's coming up tomorrow. Tomorrow, um, that um, we have a shortage of workers now. We have businesses that can't find enough employees. So doesn't it make sense? Instead of trying to keep these people out, maybe bring them in. Because I'll tell you what, if you've got a big company and you don't have enough employees, eventually you won't have a company or you won't make as much money as you want to. So you would think that somehow, some way, they'd like to get more employees. And if they happen to be good workers who are undocumented or on visas or whatever, I would think they would fucking welcome that. But no, the fact that they are brown is bad enough to keep them out of the country. And that fucking annoys me. That fucking annoys me to no end. Now, up to 125 Massachusetts National Guard members will be activated to assist the group, Baker said. Baker from, from, uh, from Massachusetts. His Florida counterpart, Governor Ron... Baker, of course, is the governor of Massachusetts. His Florida counterpart, Governor Ron DeSantis, claimed credit. He said, yeah, I did it for a political stunt which was aimed at highlighting the surge in migration along the southern U.S. border. However, the migrants arrived in the U.S. through Texas, not Florida, raising questions about the legality of the situation. You know, it's funny, Charlie Crist, who's running against Ron DeSantis, made an interesting point. There is no point that Florida is on the border of a foreign country. There's ocean on three sides of the country, and uh, what is it, uh, Georgia and uh, Alabama are the only states that border Florida. So why is Ron DeSantis getting involved in these immigrant situations in Texas? Well, he's doing it to try to get attention. He wants to run for president. I'll be surprised if he wins the election for governor in November. I hope he gets blown the fuck out. But he does this even though his state doesn't border with Mexico. Not at all. Apparently, Greg Abbott didn't have the balls to try it or maybe had enough common sense not to do it himself, although he did participate. This would not have happened unless Greg Abbott agreed to it. Now, while the move appeared to delight DeSantis supporters, it was met with a searing criticism from elected Democrats and swaths of the public. Critics said the flights amounted to human trafficking and saw cruelty in using desperate people to make a political point. And that's exactly what he did. It could even go as far as kidnapping. It appeared that DeSantis was attempting to raise his national profile in advance of a possible presidential campaign. One official said DeSantis hired a videographer to capture footage of the journey. He is basically using humans as pawns. And that's all right with him. Is that all right with you? If you voted for Ron DeSantis or will vote for Ron DeSantis, is that okay with you? Even if they are undocumented immigrants, is it okay to treat humans this way? I don't think so, but I have a normal mind. I'm not a sick fuck like these Trump Trump fucks. The migrants had been told Wednesday that they would be going to Boston, which wasn't the case, according to NPR, which spoke to several people in the group. They told the outlet a woman named Perla told them they would be given expedited work papers, a bald-faced lie. They gave them hope. They gave them hope, and then they pulled the rug out from under them. There's another circumstance where they did the same thing. Remember, with the COVID relief bill, we brought 50% of children that were in poverty out of poverty. And then when it came time to re-vote that in and keep it going, they said no. They said no. Even though they said they agreed with it at one point, they said no. So now that 50% of kids now out of poverty are now back into poverty. 
Tell me that's not cruel. That is the essence of Republicans. They are cruel and inhumane. And because of this, I call Ron DeSantis. I call Greg Abbott and all the people that follow these fucks as subhuman, virtually animals. In fact, animals wouldn't act that badly. So instead, they ended up in Martha's Vineyard, an island community used as a summer retreat for wealthy East Coasters. When they landed in two privately chartered planes on the island, they had only a brochure for a local community center, the Cape Cod Times reported. We got on the plane with a vision of the future, of making it, 30-year-old Andres Duarte told NPR. Look, when you have no money and someone offers help, well, it means a lot. DeSantis had not told any local officials to expect the migrants. The group walked about two miles from the runway to the community center. Residents of the island swiftly stepped in to help, setting up beds in a church and whipping up meals. Teenage AP Spanish students were brought in to help translate for the migrants, most of whom were originally from Venezuela and said their flights had been taken off from San Antonio, Texas. The Cape Cod Times said that one woman brought her yellow lab, Gracie, to comfort the migrants. So these people are from Venezuela. And they flew out of San Antonio, Texas, but at the behest of Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida. Ron DeSantis chartered the plane, set up the whole scam. And then after it was done and after he was exposed for being the evil fuck that he is, he said, yeah, yeah, I did it. We're grateful to the providers, volunteers, and local officials that stepped up on Martha's Vineyard over the past few days to provide immediate services to these individuals. Governor Baker said in a statement Friday, our administration has been working across state government to develop a plan to ensure these individuals will have access to the services they need going forward and joint base Cape Cod is well equipped to serve their needs. Republicans would, would, would have you believe they just dumped them at a military facility and just got rid of them. That's not what happened. Upon leaving Martha's Vineyard, the migrants were given supplies and new cell phones, the Washington Post reported from the scene. Families will not be separated, the governor's office said, in a pointed reference to an immigration policy at the southern border under former President Donald Trump. They split children from their parents. Again, cruel and inhumane. In recent years, Republican elected officials have turned to inhumane measures in order to discourage migrants from seeking refuge at the U.S. border. Texas Governor Greg Abbott and Arizona Governor Doug Ducey, both Republicans, have taken to busing migrants from their states to northern so-called sanctuaries to create logistical headaches for Democratic officials and voters. Buses have arrived in Chicago, Washington, D.C., and New York City. So this isn't the first time that they did it. They've done this before. And this is the kind of people the Republicans are. They are cruel, they are inhumane, and they don't give a fuck about people. All you have to look at is what they've done in the last six years, which amounts to nothing but give rich people money and take advantage of other people for their own benefit. So we're going to see what's going on there. I mean, there's talk of uh, investigations. I mean, they've talked about human trafficking, kidnapping, misuse of government funds. Because, you know, they needed money to send these people up there. So what Ron DeSantis did is he took money out of a, uh, uh, a slush fund, if you will, money that they got from the federal government for COVID or handling COVID. So he just dipped in there, took some money out, bought a plane, and, and, and did whatever he had to do and sent these people to to uh, Martha's Vineyard. He really thought he did something here. And to be honest, whatever I've seen since this has happened, he seems to have no shame for it. He really thinks this is a good idea. And this shows how the Republicans are desperate. They can't get normal people to vote for them or to side with them. So what they think they can do is whip up the small percentage of people that actually follow them and get them strong enough to get everybody voting, and they think they can still win elections. But the fact of the matter is they won't. 
like I said, these people keep shooting themselves in the foot, stepping on their dick, whatever you want to call it. You think about all the things that the Republicans have done since 2020. Overturned Roe v. Wade. They didn't vote for the infrastructure bill. They promoted and supported white supremacy, misogynistic views, anti-Semitism. They suppressed the votes of people of color. They've gone after the LGBT community. They overturned Roe v. Wade and took constitutional rights away from 50% of this country, women. They've alienated 70% of this country, those people that supported Roe v. Wade. I just saw a poll. The number of people that were against overturning Roe v. Wade in a poll was 63%. 32% were for it. That's right in line with what I've always said. 30% of this country is in a cult under the under the um, control of Donald Trump and these trump fuck fuckers And I just can't understand how they keep uh, pandering to these people. There's not enough of them to win elections. I know you're talking about gerrymandering and all that stuff. But here's what I think you're going to see come November. Much like we saw in 2020, people are fearful of what might happen if Republicans get into office. And you're going to see Democrats come out in droves, people that don't normally vote, especially during the midterms. They are going to come out and vote because they are fearful of what might happen should the Republicans get control. They can play their little games, but they can't really stop the amount of people that are likely to come out. That's one of the things that the Republicans thought about why Uh, Joe Biden's election was fraudulent. There were more voters that not only voted for a president in Joe Biden in history, that's the most in history, but the most voters in history, too. And they think it was because Joe Biden cheated when we know what the fact was, was that they these people were just fearful of Donald Trump continuing to get any more power. All right. Uh, Donald Trump's former White House director of strategic communications suggested on CNN that Mark Meadows is actively cooperating with the Department of Justice. Now, we thought this. Remember, there was a period of time where we didn't hear anything about Mark Meadows, which was weird because he's the one that was closest to Donald Trump on January 5th and January 6th. And, you know, Throughout his presidency, he was the chief of staff. He was the middleman. He was the one that talked to everybody and relayed information to and from Donald Trump. Alyssa Farah Griffin was interviewed on Friday by CNN's Aaron Burnett. I do think what's interesting about this is it signals that Meadows is, I think that he's probably cooperating more than we realize with the Department of Justice. Okay, Burnett said. So if that's the case, that means that he is what may be trying to make up for things like this. Or, I mean, who knows? Do you think it's possible that he is now cooperating a lot more, maybe in part because of a statement like, which was at best clueless and lazy and at worst a lie? Griffin said, I think so. And also the fact that we haven't heard from him on the airwaves trying to defend Trump or anything like that. Like I just said, he's been terribly quiet. So I think they have reached out to him and that he's either cooperating because he's a direct witness or he's cooperating because he has a certain level of criminal jeopardy. And the implications go beyond Mar-a-Lago because if he is cooperating in flips, that might implicate President Trump and all sorts of things with respect to January 6th because I think he'd be a key witness against him. And I agree. He would most definitely be a key witness. But I also think that Mark Meadows will be implicated in some things. So he might be getting pressure from the DOJ to uh, be a witness. Maybe not so much to get out of going to jail, because I think he almost has to go to jail. He was part of this. I mean, as we see the January 6th hearings coming up starting in September of 28th, 
his name is going to come up a lot because these are going to be people who were helping to plan, facilitate, and fund those idiots coming to the Capitol on January 6th. We know he has all kinds of communications between him and Jenny Thomas. We know a lot of those communications were then relayed to Donald Trump, and he would be the one to do it. He was kind of the clearinghouse for Donald Trump. Hell, Don Jr. couldn't even text his dad directly. He had to text Mark Meadows to get to dad. So you can assume that everybody was having to do that, meaning Mark Meadows was in the middle of all conversations. He was the one sending it to Donald Trump or or enlightening Donald Trump, which means he's just as guilty as anybody. And with the January 6th hearing coming on September 28th, and presumably more than that through October, Mark Meadows is going to become a focal point. Now, that means he is probably going to jail. So that would make sense that he would be encouraged to offer up some evidence and also in the uh, the same time frame he wouldn't he wouldn't be uh, talking badly or well of Donald Trump he just kind of lay low and we know that Donald Trump's own people said yeah don't talk to Mark Meadows anymore that could be a problem well they know it's a problem because Mark Meadows knows everything and Mark Meadows might very well be throwing Donald Trump under the bus he almost has to I mean, this guy's younger than Donald Trump. He hopes to have a career. He probably won't. But he's got to do something to save himself. They might love Donald Trump, but when it comes to them going into jail, potentially, they're going to let Donald go before they go. We saw it with a lot of the uh, <clears throat> the people on the ground during the January 6th insurrection. When Donald Trump didn't pardon them or do anything for them, then they started to say, Oh, wait, we got played. We know that there was one text message that went to Mark Meadows from the Proud Boys, I think it was, that said, hey, it's getting pretty ugly down here. We need some direction. Direction from who? Well, clearly Donald Trump or his staff. They wouldn't be asking Mark Meadows for direction if they weren't involved. And you know at this point, some of these people trying to get less time in jail probably have given up some evidence against Mark Meadows, the administration, and Donald Trump himself. So Mark Meadows doesn't really have any choice at this point. He must give up Donald Trump or go to jail for a long fucking time. And I'll guarantee you there's no loyalty when it comes to doing jail time. They're going to give him up in a fucking instant. And I think they already have. You know, we're worried about this document thing and whether he'll be indicted for it. But don't be too worried about that. There's other indictments hanging out there. There's Georgia. That's going to come to pass sometime soon. There's the January 6th grand jury. Now, one of the things about Mark Meadows... I hear a lot of people saying this. Well, Mark Meadows is going to testify or cooperate with the January 6th committee. And that's not the case. The case actually is that he's cooperating with the DOJ and the DOJ's grand jury, which is far more dangerous for Mark Meadows and Donald Trump. You know, it was interesting that when he didn't comply with the subpoena to the January 6th committee, and they referred him for an indictment, the DOJ said, yeah, now we're not going to indict him. And everybody was in, in an uproar about it. They were upset about it. But now we know they had bigger things in mind for Mark Meadows. They needed him. Because as soon as they put him in jail for something like complying, not complying to a subpoena, then he's just going to shut up. He has no reason to open his mouth. They needed to dangle freedom or at least a lesser amount of time to him in order to get all they needed from him. It sounds like they've done that. It sounds like he's uh, satisfied his commitment to a subpoena to the DOJ. So that must mean they've wrung him out of everything he knows, and they have it. And you can count on the fact that once they have that evidence, it doesn't look good for Donald Trump. He is going to throw or already has thrown Donald Trump under the bus. 
So whether we're delayed with the documents thing, with um, the appeals and all that stuff, don't worry about that. That will come to pass at some point. They don't really need to get them indicted before the midterms because all the damage to the Republicans has already been done. They can't win in the midterms. I'm convinced of this. People will argue with me, but I just say, what have they done to get more votes in two years? They've done nothing. The only things they've done is to lose votes, to lose the moderates, to lose the independents. And they need those people desperately to vote Republican in order to win elections. And they've lost them. They've lost women in the suburbs, which they counted on. You take away a constitutional right like Roe v. Wade from women, they aren't going to stand for that. And we're seeing it now, the protest and such. But they're going to come out in force and they're going to take the fucking Republicans down. And Mark Meadows may be part of the reason why Donald Trump goes down for the January 6th committee. There's at least four or five investigations going on with potential indictments. Don't worry. Donald Trump will get got. They will get him. It's just a matter of when and a matter of who. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you very much for taking the time you have to listen to me rattle on. I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.